This is Appetite for Distortion. And welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode 241. My name is Brando. Uh, second episode of the new year, 2021. I appreciate you hanging out wherever you are listening. You are enjoying this podcast. Thanks for thanks for pressing play. Uh, today we have two guests. Uh, later on for the Appetite for Discovery segment, we will be speaking with Jason Hall from Western Addiction, a great uh, rock, a uh, punk rock band from from San Francisco. And but coming up right now, a lot of you are also very excited to to hear from Jeff or Jefferson. I'll see which one he prefers. Uh, Angel from Walking Papers. So without further ado, Jeff. Hello, this is Brandon. This is is this uh, Jeff? Jeff, this is he. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Pretty good. Do you prefer Jeff or Jefferson, by the way, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, I come by both. Jeff's a little, lot less syllables. That's true. <laughs> but when I, I say Jefferson, I think of, I don't know if you watched uh, Married with Children back in the day, but Jefferson was his uh, cool neighbor with Marcy. And he, uh, I, I didn't know that, but, okay. uh, you right. know. Uh, I, I was named after Thomas Jefferson, which is not as cool as the married with children neighbor. I gotcha. <laughs> well, that's what I'm here for. I'm, I'm here to educate you on 90s sitcoms that are no longer relevant. <laughs> I appreciate that. Well, uh, thanks for, for calling in today. And uh, are you calling in, if you don't mind me asking, uh, guessing from the area, area code, uh, are you calling from Seattle, hometown? Yeah. Nice. I am. Very cool. I... I hope to uh, to visit one day. I I have my Sean Kemp jersey in the closet right now. I'm just trying to buy some. Oh. Yeah, get some brownie points. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> That's uh, him and Dale Ellis. That was the when Gary Payton. That was the dream team right there. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, well, we could talk about the Sonics. I guess next time you're on, uh, we're here to talk about and I, I more more uh, relevant. More relevant. <laughs> I know more relevant. <laughs> what am I doing here? <laughs> yeah, we, man, you're taking me right back. Right? That, well, hey, that was the heyday of Seattle. You had the Sonics there, you had, and we had Married with Children and uh, Grunge. Oh, funny. Uh, yeah. Should we talk about the Civil War and dinosaurs also? <laughs> uh, I, that happened at the same time, right? Right. <laughs> Let's talk about the future, but thankfully not too far in the future. Uh, February 5th, that is the highly anticipated uh, new album is coming out. Uh, the light below, and you've been putting out singles, kind of slowly teasing it. And I guess got I just got finished watching your your mini movie. I guess uh, divine divine intervention uh, stood up at uh, the gates of heaven. Can you tell me like, because I got to imagine that twenty twenty threw a kink in the plans. Like, how long has this been in the works? This new record. Um. Well, some of the songs we had started to write before and I'm kind of weird like that I'll have a song that's maybe hanging around 10 years and I just don't finish it here for one reason or there and there so oh. they're all kind of ruined not um and not necessarily like I like one more than another but they kind of they just kind of hang around you know and you just decide which time to pick one up and uh what's working so some songs were around before 2020 for sure and then we started recording this before 2020 but then uh you know, all the COVID lockdown and all that kind of stuff. So we had it 
you know, kind of brewing before then. You know, it's kind of funny, like last time the record came out, everybody was like, you know, how come there's no songs about, you know, Trump, you know? And oh. I was like, well, you know, it takes, sometimes it takes a year for these, a year or so for these records to get brewing and happening. You know, you make the record, you, you write the songs and you start recording them and then it takes, there's the whole process before the release and all that, you know? So some, you know, really you're looking at something from two years ago almost from when it was conceived okay. by the time it hit, you know? And at this point, as we're promoting this record, we're already writing new songs and working on the new stuff. So it's just kind of the cycle of how things go. You know? Oh, nice. Nice. I, I like that. So then where did, or where, uh, I guess, yeah, not, not where did as a premise, but where did in time, did the title divine intervention, uh, come in? Like is like, what's the, I guess the, a lot of the context or the content I should say of the, the album. So is that, is it a theme divine intervention? If you can kind of, Tell us uh, some of the topics, I guess, you cover lyrically. Well, I think that there's some people kind of have a, maybe there's like a learned helpless thing that goes on. And I think that we're all kind of, you know, expecting some force to step in and make a change where, you know, sometimes we, it, you might be better off just to take action yourself, you know, sure. or sometimes there's nothing that can be done and it's just, you got to accept, what is it, uh, grant me the, uh, serenity to accept the things I cannot change or, I know, you know they're just going to happen. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of get to where, you know, the divine intervention, you know, I guess, you know, there's been a few times that I think in my world where I was like, you know, sometimes with God or with cops, you're like, where were you when I needed you? You know, <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, there's never one around when you need them. But then, um, uh, you know, at the same time, what do I know? Maybe it's all part of the, you know, some kind of Buddhist Tao thing that, you know, all these hardships are here to teach us lessons. But I think at one point or another, we're all like, why? You I know? know, I know. It's like when you're in it, it's like, why is this happening to me? And then you look back, it's like, oh, that's why that happened. It sucked when it happened, but it's like what I... Would I be here? I know we're getting all Zen and everything. Would I be here if I didn't experience these bad things uh, beforehand? So, I mean, I got to imagine this kind of goes into, because we can, we all uh, identify with, with that feeling, you know? Um, but I guess here, yeah. as we're talking about the music, does that play into the band Walking Papers? Because it was just a few years ago. And uh, I, you know, I I, I got to be honest because I know as a as a GNR themed podcast, I knew my audience would would know Walking Papers, but I was pleasantly surprised. And we'll get to some fan questions about you know how many people are just so excited because it's not that long ago you were named Seattle's best rock band by the New York Times, which is nothing to sniff at. But you're still kind of you know making a name for yourself at the same time. Do you? Do you take that approach, I guess, as we were talking about divine intervention as you, uh, as you're with walking papers? No, I don't no. think okay. uh, those kind of things. I look at, you know, with, uh, well, it's funny is that you asked about the, the getting all zen about it. It's like, I actually think, you know, to me, music is one of those things that's like a, uh, I don't know what the proper world word for it. It's, it's sacred. You know, it's like, it's not something if you put too much, it's not something that you should put pressure on, in my opinion, of like, you know, of asking why didn't this happen or why does that happen? It's like, it's a kind of a gift. And I think that uh, if people put too much pressure on it, they lose their passion 
the passion gets stolen and it becomes a product and not a, a passion project. And I think, you know, it's great. You know, you plant these seeds in your yard and you, you want to see them grow into some, into something. But, um, if you, uh, have expectations of, you know, music can be pretty good setting yourself up for disappointment. Yeah. You know, I guess it's the, the way that I look at it. So with the music stuff, I'm really just grateful for everything that happens. Um, and even, you know, like you're saying about the songs, to me, the songs are kind of like, you know, you know, spending time with my own thoughts. I do think there's some Zen kind of meditative qualities to pursuing an idea song, you know, that I think, and I think all the gifts are there. So if you get to run around the world playing it for other people or if other people enjoy it or if you make a couple of dollars off of it, then it's a, all that stuff's frosting, frosting on the cake, I suppose. I like that. I like but that. But we might be putting, we might be putting frosting on a burnt cake <laughs> if, if the, uh, if the, the intentions for making the cake in the first place aren't for the right reasons. So I, t- I try to not put those pressures. I mean, I wouldn't be lying if I said that I don't think about some of these things sometimes, or if you see some other band that you think kind of sucks and you're like, why are they getting this? Or is it, you know, but it's like any of that kind of thinking is just setting yourself up to be bummed out. Yeah. And I, I, I like that outlook and that I, I, that's something else I identify with you and I'm sure many do is, as well. And I guess the reason I ask is because it's an overused phrase, the, the Seattle sound, you know, but I, I want to use the, maybe coin a new phrase, the, uh, I don't know, the, the, the Seattle, uh, the, the Seattle thought process, the, the Seattle, uh, mood. It's cause the reason I'm, I'm going down this path is cause your insight, the way your, your personality is, it's like many of your your famous friends that you've played with, like Duff McKagan or Mike McCready, I feel like I'm listening to almost like an interview with them as well. Uh, Dean DeLeo, uh, who I believe worked on this this record. Uh, but it's, I want to know, if, is there something about the Seattle psyche? There you go. Is there something about there you go. the Seattle psyche that why it's just like you guys are so salt of the earth, and yet you're also so talented. <laughs> like, how does that work? You're also humble, and it's like... Yeah, I'm awesome, but whatever. Is it, is yeah, there I don't know. I, mean, I think that I just <laughs> definitely grew up. I, def- I definitely, uh, you know, grew up listening to those people and their kind of attitude about it or whatever. But I think that, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think there was a certain time where even, you know, in the Seattle bands, it was like a little bit of a, you know, they rejected um, praise. You know, I ain't that, I ain't that then. You know, I think it's great if somebody likes what we're doing, you right. know, and, um, uh, I'm, you know, and if people are into it, I'm excited about that. But um, I think it, I think that it's important to kind of re- maintain some humility about this kind of stuff and a sense of humor because uh, it's a, it's a, it's kind of ridiculous the whole idea that someone can run around playing music and stuff and uh, you know having people listen to. It. There's a lot of, lot to laugh at, you know, with the way that some of these things go. Yeah, and there's you know, a sense of humor to it that, you, that that the Seattle psyche has is the way of looking at things and not taking it too seriously. You know, I, I got to take, I, I'm yeah. trying to take a page from it. I'm a New York, a neurotic New Yorker. You know, I, I, <laughs> I'm on medication, man, <laughs> which I was getting, but it's like, I got to, you know, so much anxiety. So I, I admire, you know, not just musically, you know, I admire people with your, your mindset. It's harder for people um, like myself to just, maybe not overanalyze things. So that's something definitely to, uh, that I admire about you as well. 
Well, thank you. I say they they think, you know, take the work seriously, but not yourself. You know, I think that's a pretty good motto to live by. But uh, don't get me confused with someone that doesn't have a bunch of anxiety because it's mm. I, hell I do. And uh, I actually think that the, the music is, actually helps me work through that. You know, and I think that that's, uh, you know, writing. It's something about writing songs and I just sitting down and, you know, playing guitar and, and working on a thing or going to practice or when you're playing music, it is super meditative. Like I said earlier, you just, it's time that, you know, you have to be focused on what you're doing. Otherwise you're going to trip up and uh, therefore it removes you from the worry of other things. Even if the song is, you know, a sentimental song or it's focused on a, maybe even a neg working out a negative idea, it's still it's a, an escape from, you know, the, bullshit we see every day yeah and i'll tell you the i just had the escape what was it where did it clock in it 12 minutes or something the the video so if you you'll explain it better than i can it's the first two tracks or the first two singles rather that you made into a nice a 12 minute video and i guess before you talk about that because i'm reading the press release here i'm trying to do my research like a professional uh, did Dean mm-hmm. from STP play uh, some of the guitar work on Divine Intervention? How did that? Uh, so if you can tell me yeah, about he's that. Yeah, playing, he's playing the solo on there. Oh, wow. We did a tour with them a couple, um, I guess, you know, a year or two, 2019, I guess. So, okay. Um, and on, on the tour, we became, you know, I mean, I kind of knew him, met him a few times before that. So we were friendly and that's why we got invited on the tour. But then after being on the tour for with these guys for four weeks or through Europe, you know, we kind of had a lot of time to hang out backstage and really kind of tighten the, the bond a bit. And those guys are great guys. So funny and so um, open and accommodating. And then um, I've always been a fan of his playing. I thought he had a cool, he has a cool swagger to his style, especially like on the Tiny Music record. I really liked his you know, it kind of had a Joe Perry kind of thing to it. And so when we were making this record, I'm kind of, I just get tired of my own licks, you know? Okay. I kind of just, I know where I'm going sometimes, and I just like to hear how a different guy would approach it. That's cool. And so um, I just I just asked him, hey, you want to play on a track? And he was like, sure. So I sent it over to him, and uh, he just laid down something, and it was, you know, it was great right off the, the top. And then on the second song, we're kind of, dueling back and forth on some stuff like a question answer kind of thing and so he graced us with his presence there i think he's a phenomenal player i think you know he could probably he can play him and his brother can they can play stuff that's way beyond anything you hear them playing they're just also tasteful with what they're playing so that they try to uh, you know play what they think serves the song but I mean, I even his brother Robert on the bass can sit around and play like, you know, jazz, you know, crazy Django Reinhardt stuff on the guitar. You know, I mean, they're both really phenomenal. But then they serve the song, which is I think what is even a bigger strength for them to like, you know, keep themselves from playing too much. And I, I encourage people to go to uh, Walking Papers, your your YouTube channel, to to watch the video because. I mean, there's nothing I could say to describe the, the the back and forth guitars between you and Dean, but the video itself is just super cool. It's just like I, I don't know. I feel like I'm watching um like like Sin City or, or something like that, or like an old detective kind of 
kind of show. I, I, I liked it. So we were talking about like an escape before. It was definitely a, a nice escape visually and, and you know, uh, audio, uh, audio wise. So it was, it was, it was cool, man. Uh, I got to ask, yeah, it, you, of course, no, thanks for, for putting it out. I mean, uh, we need, this is what we need now. I mean, it's not like uh, the, the whatever eld 2020 ended when 2021 came. I mean, a lot of us are still at home looking for things to do. There are a lot of people that, you know, d d depend on an escape. Um, so well, however we get it, you know, the good kind of escape, of course. Um, so I, I guess I got want to ask, is it the same approach when you said yeah, why you reached out to Dean and you want to hear, you know, uh, someone else's spin on it? Because I, I, I don't know the history, I guess, because I'm assuming you and Duff McKagan have been friends for a while and being, uh, with, uh, being from Seattle as well. But if you can talk, I guess, a little bit about him being in the band and I, was there, cause he's been doing a lot of collaborations. Could you, could you foresee him, you know, collaborating with you guys again in the future? Um, yeah. I mean, I would see that we're friendly. I mean, we were just out riding motorcycles the other day, Nice. you know, I mean, he's getting, he's, uh, busy doing what he's doing, you know? Um, and we, I mean, we recorded a little bit of stuff recently or something just goofing around, but um, we didn't haven't really pursued it into something that was like for a song or nothing. It was more definitely kind of, it was more like an excuse to hang out. <laughs> but, like uh, but I doubt it'll ever see the light of day. But, um, and, you know, we had a, and he's got a new studio up here in Seattle that, um, that he had bought. So I know he's working on some stuff up there with his, um, you know, with whatever, I don't, I'm not sure. I don't want to assume where it's going to go, but I know he's been up there and being busy and doing that kind of stuff. And we're always friendly, you know, but of course I think he also, uh, even when we were in the band, it's like, I think a lot of people look at the situation. It's like, I was, uh, and maybe not, don't have the, the same clarity to me. I was always thought it was kind of a bummer that they, that he had all that work in guns and roses and wasn't able to be out there and be that guy. You know, so the, the fact that they put things together, although personally, it, you know, he opened a lot of doors for me and those doors are still open and I'm really grateful for that. But I was never like, I mean, I was like celebrating the fact that they were getting back together so that he can go play and do what he, you know, get all the, uh, have all those great things happen for him. You know, I even feel the same way. Sometimes it's like there's a local band that I don't even really care about or maybe I don't even like their music. I'm always grateful for them to get opportunities or to see them have success, you know, even if they're not my cup of tea. So with his thing, you know, I'm being a Guns N' Roses fan myself and also, you know, having a personal relationship with the guy, I was stoked to see that, you know, he could get back into the thing that he was most known for and, and uh, get the credit that he deserves and give the world what they want to see. So, Unfortunately, on the, the opposite side of that coin is I had to figure out how I was going to keep my band rolling. Right. And so uh, Ben just turned on the bass keys on his left hand and then we started hitting it. You know, so uh, we've done that before. So even before, there's been times with in walking papers where Duff was like, hey, man, I got to go do this thing. And we had shows booked and we still went and played the shows. You know, we just played without him. And then Ben picked up the bass lines on the keyboard. So certain songs aren't the same, you know, but other songs are different. But uh, the same all the time gets a little boring in my world. So right on, yeah. That, that's because uh, you're yeah. an artist. 
You know, it's, it's, yeah. you're not just out there just, uh, as a, like one of those robotic, uh, you know, bears and Chuck E. Cheese. You're, you're an artist. I don't know why I went there. Another weird out of date analogy. No, I love that. I love that. <laughs> I actually would like to have, if I could get a whole band of those guys, that would be amazing. Oh man. Take that on tour. I love it. <laughs> hey, I, I, I said this, I, I, this is something that I would, I would used to say, but I guess now, I mean, hopefully Dr. Fauci is right that we're going to have concerts come back in the fall of this year, but I could see the walking papers uh, open up for, for GNR. I mean, what kind of, that would be an amazing show. Uh, just incredible. Yeah, I think I got a lot of, a lot of people lining up for that gig, but um, you know what? We had a lot of fun on the road anytime I was with us. But he, yeah. Um, um, it's kind of crazy, you know, to see those bands. Sometimes if they open up for them, and I'm seeing these bands that are open up in the morning on some of those shows, there's not a lot of people there. Yeah, that's good. I, you know, I mean, I know. like they get 80, you know, the people are showing up at time to see them play. And some, sometimes if you're a band, you know, you might play, to, if you're playing to 2,000 people leaking into an arena during the day, that's almost, that's kind of, I don't know if I'd want I'd, I'd want to tour with them just for the fun of hanging out with them. That's but fair. Sometimes I, I would rather pay to, I'd rather play to 600 people crammed in a sweaty club than to 2,000 people in a huge arena while that are filing in and not paying attention. And this is from a guy who has done it a few times. <laughs> right on. No, I, I totally hear you. I guess I because when GNR let them when they were last on tour, they were I, I liked how they, they were getting creative with their opening acts and exposing. You know, maybe. Yeah. It's, but I, I I totally hear what you're saying. Uh, I don't want to keep you forever, but I want to make sure I get some uh, some comments and questions in uh, to you. Sure. This is a a lot of it's a lot of compliments. This is uh, from Jason Boulevard. Just a very cool, talented dude. Uh, Randy uh, Botello said, "I saw Walking Papers at the Boston House of Blues. Good stuff." Uh, Arrow Gem I said, "He is cool. He told me he liked uh, my tattoo because oh, I'm sure you uh, you remember that." Uh, this is from Satya. I said, awesome. That was the one I saw his tattoo. It was a tattoo of a Levi's logo on his, uh, rear pocket. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Cause that would be memorable. That's what I've been thinking about getting though. You know, the, the pocket of the Levi's back there on my Easter. I, I support that. Uh, you have my, my, my support <laughs> behind that, but pun intended. <laughs> uh, this is from uh, Satya. I said, awesome. I saw the walking papers open for miles Kennedy in December, 2018. And they were amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, let me get oh, some actual some actual questions. Uh, Luigi wants to know what is the what are the main musical influences uh, for you? Well, you know, funny enough, is uh, my first one was probably The Police, and then I moved on to Black Sabbath, and then of course I think that uh, you know some of the you know early post punk bands like The Cure and The Cult stuff like that. And then of course, Guns N' Roses, when they came out, had a huge influence. And then about that time is when I started noticing the Seattle bands, which all had a big influence. And then as uh, I grew a little older, I dug dug deeper and kind of found the best, you know, some of my heroes like, uh, you know, Tom Waits, Nick Cave, Bob Dylan, you know, and then all the classics, of course, The Doors and Zeppelin and The Stones and all that kind of stuff. That's kind of my favorites. Right on, right on. Uh, Dana says, Oh my God, super stoked about this. This is a great band that deserves more recognition. Uh, Nick Wilson uh, wants to know your favorite gig or your favorite place to play. Um, favorite gig would be pretty hard. There's a lot of special ones. Um, and 
I don't know. There's also those really cool clubs in certain areas, like in, you know, in Brussels has a really cool club. Hungary has a club where you in Budapest where you're playing on a boat, which is kind of special. But um, you know, we're hopefully I can, you know we're making every gig special, and hopefully that every venue you know we're turning into our living room. You know, I, I guess that's one way to say it. But I mean, there's been certain venues to where you're always like, man, I want to play. You know, I want to play the whiskey. So if you're playing sold out at the whiskey, you're pretty stoked about that. And, or just cause all your heroes played there, but then sometimes you get there and it's kind of a, you know, it's closer to a, uh, slop sink in a, <laughs> a sink in a kitchen than it is to the glamorous event you thought yeah, it was. Rose colored glasses. It's, it's not what you thought it was going to be in your, in your dreams. <laughs> Yeah, but there is uh, definitely, you know, there are milestones of like checking those boxes off of, I've always wanted to play the Hunter Club in London. And then, you know, when you check that off, it is kind of special. And it's cool. You know, I've been involved in some cool events. Like I got to do the, uh, uh, the Mad Season tribute thing with those guys. I did, uh, uh, you know, a few different things where we've, you know, met some, you know, special people have come, you know, backstage to shows that we've done. And, you know, the, and so, you know, played in Berlin one time and I'm standing in a circle with, you know, Tony Iommi, Chris Cornell, Joe Perry and um, myself. And I'm like, what the hell, how the hell did I get in this conversation? You know, so some cool things like that have happened through the, through the years but, um, that make the gig special. But I think all the gigs, it's, they do become a blur, but it's, a, it's like the best blur ever, hmm. you know. <laughs> I like that. Uh, name of uh, the next album, Best Blur Ever. Although people might think that's like a, the best of Blur. So I don't, I, you, you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would, that would be bad. Um, thank you so much for your, your time today, uh, Jeff. I, I hope we get to do this again. Uh, again, the, the album that's coming out February the 5th, um, I, I, I think it's going to be, it's, it's from what I've heard, because there's, sing- there's three singles out right now, I believe, for The Light Below. Yeah. Okay, because uh, again, if you want to check out, if you want to knock out two out of the three uh, out of the way, uh, check out that 12-minute video for Divine Intervention uh, that features uh, Dean from STP on it, and uh, it's just awesome. So you're awesome. I hope we get, to, again, like I said, uh, we can do this again. and you know, Stay safe, as they say now, uh, going forward, and you just have yourself a great day. Thank you so much, Jeff. Likewise. Take it easy. You got it. Was it me or did you feel like when he was talking about uh, Duff and his studio and what he's working on there that he almost spilled the beans about Guns N' Roses? I'm not saying that's what happened, but there was a part of me that felt that when, that's what happened. And I'm just curious if any of you were like, <gasps> and I just didn't want to probe for any information. I don't want to get him in trouble. If indeed that is in fact the case. No, I did not ask him off the air. I have no idea. I want to leave that to be a mystery. Because uh, I'm a weirdo. Uh, anyway, uh, we move forward, actually. We have uh, the, the segment I like to call Appetite for Discovery, where we, we talk about a band or an artist that may not have a direct uh, connection to our Guns N' Roses world. Like uh, Jeff obviously connected to Duff. You know, six degrees of GNR Bacon, very, very strong. Uh, but here, Jason Hall from the band Western Addiction. Great, great band. And we're going to talk to him, and we're going to talk about Guns N' Roses, of course, but we do it under the the guise, you know, how I can continue my, my theme of having, you know, sometimes a not GNR person on the show, 
I, I get really weird with the sound bites and the theme names and I shoehorn uh, the reason of how I can do it. Hey, it's been 241 episodes. I've been making it work. You know the deal, right? All right, so Appetite for Discovery, Jason Hall, Western Addiction. That's the goal, very Appetite. For Discovery! This is my first Appetite for Discovery segment of, of 2021. And I don't know, as we have, we welcome Jason Hall from Western Addiction on. And first, well, first of all, Happy New Year, Jason. Thank you. Happy New Year to you as well. Likewise. So in this segment, we try to find... No music that may not be, you know, it, it's hard to find. Let's just let's just limit it to rock and roll, you know, good rock music because I don't know, maybe the mainstream media. It's it's something that rock has always fought against. So we try to find that in, in appetite for discovery, especially punk rock. Love punk rock, you know. On this podcast, this uh, Guns N' Roses themed podcast, of course, when we talk about the spaghetti incident, we cover. You know, they they cover a, a mainly punk rock band, so it's often a topic that gets brought up. So I guess yeah. first thing is first, because you had an album that came out early last year. Did that happen when the pandemic, because I want to catch up with Western Addiction, everything that's happening with, uh, you know, this great San Francisco punk rock band. Because the album uh, Frey, uh, Frail Bray came out in May of last year. Are you still Yeah, writing? in May. Okay. So you're st- still yeah. writing the heels on that. But I don't know if you could say that because you probably put a lot of plans on hold, right? Because of the pandemic. Yeah, I mean, it the pandemic it, it completely ate our record. It, it was like the worst oh. time in in the last 100 years probably to release a record. Yeah, right. And it just happened that way. I mean, we tried to pull our release date, um, but it was just too much in the system because you have to turn it in like 4 months early and so that would be, you know, December or January and then we didn't really know that things were going to get crazy. You could just feel them getting crazier and crazier. And then I was just like, Oh, this is, this is not good. Oh, so what did you, cause I mean, the album is out and it's great. And obviously the promotions uh, part and the, uh, you know, playing live part t- uh, takes a, I don't, I don't even want to say a major hit. It just takes the hit. So how did you, yeah. I guess, spend last year, you know, with having new music out and also at the same time, Staying creative, staying trying to stay interactive with your fans while not going, not getting cabin fever. Like, how did you kind of balance all of that? Yeah, well, I mean, one of the dirty secrets of rock and roll is part of it is what you see on stage and the fun part, and then the other part is like an admin job where you're, (laughs) where it's like no one wants to talk about that and no one wants to do it, but it is a big part of it. So it actually timed up just right. And, um, when the record came out, so, um, I mean, I must've done, you know, 70 interviews. So I'm just doing all these interviews and I really like doing press and I like talking about music with, you know, I was excited to come on this one. You know, I love talking about bands and I listen to music podcasts. And so it lined up right for that, but I'm also a person that kind of just, I get anxious, you know, like I don't watch TV and I don't, I, I just try to make things so i i was trying to say i'm not going to write any songs i'm not going to write any songs but now i'm like six songs deep you know into the next one and so it it, i don't have a problem being by myself or or making things um and i have an information job where i'm always like typing and thinking so after hours i do like to make things i like to you know write songs i I do gardening that doesn't sound like rock and roll either but (laughs) um 
just making and building and I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't have the weird part about the pandemic. I know people are, you know, it's really sick and, and it's terrible and heartbreaking, but think about in your life when somebody is giving you one year to do whatever you want to do, learn whatever you want to do, bake whatever you want to make. You'll never get that time again. And so I see that as kind of a, a, a positive. That's true. That is very true. That's what a lot of people did this this year. And that's a lot of people, as I, I told you uh, when you called and we had to try to call again because I'm, I'm in my apartment in Queens still, still uh, feeling my quarantine. So it's all, you know, a Jimmy Rig kind of hookup. But so when I initially yeah. bought this mixer for my apartment, when I knew I was going to be, you know, when I realized this, this pandemic wasn't going away anytime soon, they were all sold out because everybody and their mother wanted to be a podcaster. They decided to use 2020 yeah. to be a podcaster. So, Oh man, there's so many now. Yeah, I, you're right. I know it is what it is. I'm glad I started it uh, before 2020. So I'm a little bit uh, <laughs> ahead of the yep. curve. Um, but ahead, yep. I, I want to know, cause I, I'm learning more about you and Western addiction, even though, I mean, I, I know you guys had a, a a little bit of a break between albums, you know, prior to like a, 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 a few years ago, there was a nice break. But I want to know because it, it it brings me back to a sound that is missed. I think a sound like the, the Damned or uh, you know the, the Dead Kennedys or just something like old school punk rock sound. So I want to know what are some of your influences? Who inspired you to create your sound, especially being from the area, San Francisco? Like any any you know homegrown heroes or where did you find your source to create your the, the who have I guess growing up? Well, it's it's funny that that people ask this a lot, right? Sure. And I, I mean, I of course like all the, you know, the classics like Black Flag and Sex Pistols and all that stuff, you know. And we do sound like an '80s, an '80s hardcore band. Um, and the, I heard this quote the other day. And I'm not comparing us to Black Sabbath, who are, you know, one of the best bands in the world. But somebody mentioned that any time the four members of Black Sabbath are together, what comes out is Black Sabbath. You, they don't, you can't do anything else. And so when I started the band, I mean, I, I didn't even plan to be the singer. I, this is just kind of what comes out of me or, or my, the best of my abilities, you know, mm. <laughs> which, which isn't great, but it's like this kind of music is just what comes out and what we all kind of really like in the band. Um, but yeah, there, there are like classics that we love, like TSOL and, I'm I'm not I'm not sure if you've heard of this band from Chicago called Articles of Faith, you know, an old hardcore band. Okay. Actually, I didn't even I've never listened to them, but the first time, um, not the first time, I recent not recently, I heard them. I was like, whoa, they sound like us, which means we sound like them. <laughs> I had no idea, you know. Right. Um. Or we we sound like Poison Idea. Um. But I don't really I don't really treat influences like that. I mean, I like all those bands, but I think more about songwriters. Um, okay. Because I, I think about song songwriting a lot, and I know that doesn't seem apparent because we're you know barking and I'm jumping on people, but I'm thinking of like like Paul Simon and Rhett Miller and like these classic great songwriters, and I'm trying to hide that in our music. Mm, okay, yeah, that's something and, I've always enjoyed about you know a certain brand of punk. Yeah, you can have the uh, you know the quick two minute three minute song that doesn't mean much, but a lot of it. it I mean, like, I think so because the bands that I, I mentioned, if you look at the Dead Kennedys, I mean, look at their lyrics. So songwriting is a very under, underestimated, underrated 
uh, part of of punk rock that I feel often overlooked because of maybe yeah. how it appears or how it sounds yeah. to the layman. It, yeah, it's always cloaked in like yelling and political lyrics. And but I, I really think about the bones of songs. And if you play punk, that's all you're kind of allowed, you know. Like I I I can't play guitar in an insane way. If I could, I would. But I can only kind of make the bones. And those are the most important parts of the song. So I'm, I'm thankful for that. Um, and what I try to do with Western Addiction is people call us like a, a hardcore band. And they also will call us a rock band. And it comes out every once in a while. It's kind of funny. Um, and it's poignant because I'm on the Guns N' Roses podcast. <laughs> but it's like, I love rock and roll. And I build... I, I, for some reason, there's like different feelings that make your body feel good when you're playing music. And so, so for example, on our new record, we have a song called Lurchers. And that song is just a classic country Western song, which, you know, country Western is rock and roll, which is punk, which is, you know, metal, which is everything. And so I kind of hide those into what we do. And then I hope it resonates because you, you'll, you'll kind of feel with the first time we went to Europe, um, people especially in germany they were like your songs are okay but they could use more melody okay. <laughs> it's really funny which which is a nice way of saying like you're trying to ride the line right where you want to be a band like the clash where you're like hard enough to be heavy but but catchy enough to be liked by all right and that is what i'm that's what i'm going for if, if, if you think of guns and roses exactly what that is sure. it's like dirty enough rock and roll that that everybody likes it's heavy but every person can resonate with the, the melodies that they build into their songs yeah i i couldn't agree more and that's part of what drew me to them because for again me personally the venn, di venn diagram that makes up my taste in music punk rock is part of it and if gnr kind of touches that a little bit you know that's that in addition to other things that gravitate like you you know, you're mentioning mentioning uh, country. They have songs that have elements of that. You know, with uh, uh, you know, obviously the acoustic versions of their songs. So I, I I totally understand what you're you're saying. So I I guess let's just ask the the obvious question. Uh, do what are your thoughts on on GNR? Have they influenced it, you at all? Because I, I know you're whatever. You know, you're the guys who get together to create Western Addiction. They're going to put out that sound. It's not going to sound like Guns N' Roses. But is that ever you know, does, does as a front man, do you ever think look at Axl Rose, his approach to it all, or is, it, or, or not even just like maybe not even a, uh, as a professional, as a fan, like what do you think of Absolutely. them? Yeah, so. absolutely. They, so several times in my life, because you you reevaluate music as you get older, and it means something different to you, and you're ready for different sounds as you go on. So they, they've interacted through my life, you know at different points. Um, I mean, I probably have the same story as everyone seeing the video on headbangers ball. Uh, I, I grew up in a small town. So headbangers ball was the only way for me. Um, I wasn't really sophisticated enough to get cool things. So that was the outlet wherever I was Saturday night, I had to go headbangers ball was on and then 120 minutes was on the next night. Um, and seeing that video for the first time, I was like, what is this? <laughs> Welcome to the jungle. I'm like, this is, I'm like, this is scary. And I don't know what it is, but it, it kind of, and there's, I have some theories on this because it's like, I'm from a small town. I, I obviously like rock and roll, but I don't know how to get to the best stuff. 
Like, I don't know how to get to Johnny Thunders yet. You know what I mean? But, but there's, so you're looking for authentic expression. And when you can't articulate what you want, like I obviously is a person who likes like loud rock. And so I'm like, whoa, I like this. I don't know what it is, but there's something good about this, but I can't speak about it in the right terms. Um, I also kind of had this, I listened to this podcast yesterday with the singer of the Stray Cats, Brian Setzer. Okay. And they were talking about like, I'm sure when the, the Stray Cats came out in the, you know, the eighties, people were like, who are these dudes with their weird coats and their weird hair? But everybody liked them and the punks liked them too. And the reason why is because it's, it's an authentic expression of what you love. And so of course it's rockabilly from the fifties, but it's new and it's different and they are living it, and loving it. And so you're like, and if you've watched any live footage of those guys, like them playing the us festival or something, it's crazy. It's like three men on a gigantic stage and they are just destroying. And so with Guns N' Roses, it feels the same way where I'm like, this isn't like Poison. This isn't like Cinderella. I know they think they, they're around with those guys, but this is not like that. My body just intuitively knew that. Um, but I didn't know how to talk about it. Um, and weirdly enough, Guns N' Roses is my first like real big concert. I saw them with Brian May. Okay. Um, so in Sacramento in like 93 nice. um, and, and I was a little older, but not many good bands came to my town and I'd only been to like the state fair and saw, I, I think I saw like a country band at the state fair before I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but so, okay. And so when you get later on and on and then you look back and you listen to these songs, they stand up and, and they, and, and that's how you know music's good. It's like, it has to have great vocal melody. It has to stand the test of time and it has to bounce around in the universe forever. And this is going to bounce around in the universe forever. Appetite Destruction will bounce forever. And the songs are fantastic. You know what I mean? I do. I, obviously, okay. I, I, I know it. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Sorry, that's a long answer. But it's like, it's hard to explain to people why music is good because it gets confused with what is popular and that's different. Um, having a hit and being popular, that's fine. That's one thing. But good long-lasting music and i don't mean rock and roll i mean all music you know what i mean it, it has Agreed. to have these elements baked in and if you can't tell those elements out of the gate you're gonna have to wait for 20 years and that's fine but appetite for destruction we people will be talking about that record for the next hundred years think about that you know you're absolutely right so much of today is it's like it's it's music with an expiration date you know, it's, yeah. yeah, it's, it's the new thing, but it's like a uh, tickle me Elmo. Yeah. It was good for a couple of Christmases. It was popular, but nobody cares about tickle me Elmo. I don't know if that's the best uh, analogy uh, to use, but it's, it's not going to be around forever. It's not going to be like the, uh, the Rubik's cube. I'm just making up this terrible analogy as I go along. Uh, <laughs> no, no, it makes sense. I know what you're saying. And, and that's okay too. There's pop music for people and, and that's fine, but that's not for me. And that's not for you because you're doing this podcast. Um, in terms of Axel specifically, I actually have never been a person that wanted to be on stage. I don't need applause. I'm like the anti that. So it's kind of like interesting to see someone with so much bravado and so much power and he can sing like crazy, you know, and, and I can just yell like crazy. So I kind of looked at him and envy, you know what I mean? Sure. And I think he's supposed to be kind of a shy guy too. It's one of those interesting dynamics and slashes like this I've heard where, you know, they, they get very nervous even now but before shows or butterflies. And, but once they, they hit the stage, it's like they just know what they have to turn it on. It's like a weekend at Bernie's. 
they can stay there performing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they, they, just know, they just know how to how to go. Uh, and I want to say this because I, I haven't seen the new one yet. The, the, the your latest album, there's a it's a reference to Bill and Ted. It's not <laughs> oh, okay because I'm reading this article. <laughs> no, no, you're, you're, a couple people said that though. It's funny. Oh man. So so, what's the story about that? Because I'm reading this article, you know, the, earlier this uh, this year. No. Again, it's a new year. Uh, earlier last year, about uh, on the new noise, saying uh, there's uh, a winking reference to Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Now, now no. you're saying there's not, so I'm heartbroken. There's not. I told our publicist too. I'm like, what is this? Because I like she's awesome too. She's like, I don't know. I I can't control these things. Um, <laughs> so where'd it go from? I mean, it's a good thing to be associated with, I guess. <laughs> Well, I mean, I really care about lyrics. Like, I think about lyrics deeply, and I know people don't um, care about lyrics that much. And so uh, there's just a line from one of our songs, and it has some kind of grandiose um, message in it, you know? And it's it, it's similar to, like, I know it's similar, but it's something like, what do they say in Bill and Ted's, like, be awesome and go well or something? Or be something excellent like to that. each other. Yes, um, yeah, it's, I think it's from the song called Wildflowers of it- Italy, and it's like about like um, the most good for the most people and doing right in the world. But it was, I didn't use the Bill and Ted's words, but somehow somebody associated with that, and now it looks like I poached some like Bill and Ted's <laughs> lyrics and baked them into our song, which is sort of embarrassing, um, but whatever. That's um, funny. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Now, so, now I'm understanding is the, the line you're, I guess they got confused is, uh, either it's be decent, less evil. Yeah. So that, yeah, that's it probably. That's yeah. how do they, they, that's, uh, I guess another way of saying be excellent to each other, but I don't, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, that, that was surprising to see <laughs> in the press. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad to continue the theme of uh, non sequiturs to Bill and Ted. That has nothing to do with, uh, with, with anything Western addiction. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So what can we expect from the, the future? I know things were kind of crazy. Are you still going to, you know, uh, for people who aren't aware of the new record, who were kind of distracted by the year that was, are you going to push forward uh, with uh, frail Bray or what's the future for, for you and Western addiction? Yeah, well, I mean, we had t- lots of shows lined up. We were going to play with Bad Religion. We were going to play with Propagandy. We were going to all these big festivals in Europe, and that was last year. All those canceled. Well, actually, they got moved to this year, and then it is not looking good, of course, because people are not doing the right thing. Yeah. And I, I think I just saw the first big festival get canceled. It's with Migration Fest or something. And I mean, it's not a huge one like Bonnaroo or anything, but that one got canceled. And you can just kind of feel like it's not going to happen. And the guys in the band really want to play these songs too, because I also should have said another way to really just look at the crowd. And if they're, if it's happening, they'll tell you. It, it's funny when bands continue to play songs where people in the crowd aren't moving. Cause we have a rule, like if they don't go, it's gone. You know what I mean? And it, it you try to engineer things that people like really respond to, but they don't. I just want to see how some people, we've played two of the songs live. Um, and people kind of didn't know the songs at all and their bodies were moving and like, okay, that's a good sign. Um, uh, but so in the meantime, I really like, I like making songs. I listen to tons of music. My job enables me to listen to, you know, thousands of hours of music. And so I love making songs. So during the pandemic, you know, I, I, I 
just made more songs. I've been making songs and I'm kind of charting out our next record. And even if it's needed or not, I'm just lucky that my hobby is something I like to do. So making songs is not a chore. It's like a pure joy for me. Right on. Right on. I I, I yeah. understand that as well. Cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what is to come. Obviously, as long as people continue to see Smash Mouth and, and Vanilla Ice and Steel <laughs> Panther, uh, who knows? <laughs> I can't believe this is the world we're living in. Oh, we all yeah. we just want to, you know, God, it's like, obviously, like, we all want to go to shows, but just thinking about, you know, bands like yours and, your, you know, your crew that are just like, come on, guys, just stop. Can we just calm down a little bit and, and so we can all get back to work and move on with our yeah. lives? But uh, yeah. it, it'll happen eventually. And uh, I, when you are in, in New York or Long Island, somewhere in my vicinity, you know, I'd love to, to see you live. You know, I, Oh, we'd love it. I'd love it. I love it when people come up and say hello to you. Um, because I, I used to work at the record label, so I met lots of DJs, lots of store owners, and everyone doesn't all remember me, and it's, it's so crazy. It's cool. <laughs> so, yeah, I love it. I love being out there. Cool. Well, let's uh, let's hope for sooner rather than later. We've been saying that for almost a year, but I'll, I'll keep saying it. Uh, Jason, yeah. uh, thank you so much, and I hope we get to do this again. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate the interview, and I appreciate Guns N' Roses, so thanks for having us. You got it. And, and Jason, I'll edit this part out. I'm not sure when I'm going to put this out just yet, but I'm going to keep you um, posted and I'll forward it to. Um, awesome. Yeah. yeah. Reach out if you need any extra information or anything. And thanks so much for, for, for interviewing me. I appreciate it. You got it. Thank you so much. You have a great day. All right. Take care. You too. And that does it for this episode of Appetite for Distortion. What is to come? Well, uh, the conversation always continues in between the podcasts on social media, facebook.com slash the AFD show or on Twitter at the AFD show. Uh, Instagram, Appetite for Distortion. Uh, please follow and subscribe to, to us on our YouTube channel, Appetite for Distortion. Uh, however you listen, uh, iHeartRadio or Spreaker or SoundCloud, Spotify, if there's a place to leave a review, like click the subscribe button, please do so. And please... Uh, tell a friend. And also, if you want to support uh, Appetite for the Distortion Schwag, as uh, as they say, is available on redbubble.com. So I will see you all, well, I don't know, the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy. When is the next episode of the AMD show? You'll see it, but I don't know as soon as the word. security, I'm going home.